Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for over 2,000 years. I'm joined this week with Dr. Smith uh, to, to continue our discussion about the problem of evil, the problem of suffering, and how it can exist with an all-good God. And last time we talked, uh, we, we brought up many different explanations that uh, many times people bring up to try to explain the problem of evil. Uh, so we talked about the, the aggregate argument, the free will defense, the soul-making defense. Um, so I just want to invite our listeners, if you haven't uh, listened to that other podcast, it may be helpful. Uh, but if not, today we want to continue our discussion. Um, particularly, we, we ended last time talking about, um, in particular, God's providence and its relationship with suffering and evil, that somehow suffering and evil can play a part in the providence of God, and even uh, uh, in his plan of salvation, that right. suffering and evil yeah. uh, can have a place to, to, to play in that. So, uh, Dr. Smith, why don't you get us started, you know, um, talking about this idea of trusting God, you know, in the midst of that suffering. Yeah, Jason, sure. The, uh, one of the things I think it's so important here, uh, and, and something that's often neglected, is that we have a very clear, uh, well-grounded doctrine of God. Um, one of the things that we that we just lack and so often neglect, oddly enough, in theology, uh, which of course is uh, supposed to be uh, the study of God, is having a strong and clear doctrine of God. Uh, we should be thoroughly grounded in several um, truths about God. Mm-hmm. One is that God is wise. A second one is that God is perfectly good. And a third one. Uh, that God is truly in control. That is, that God is the provident and sovereign ruler of all things. That He's got that God is the first cause of every change, every effect, everything that happens in this world. That you know, w- when you approach it from that perspective, what we should think then about the the terrible things that happen in our lives. And I, I'm not interested in watering this down at all. Um, what we should think about the the difficulties that we encounter is that they are part of a good and wise plan, right? Um, That God is not, as I said, I think last time, you know, God God is not there to provide you with a nice middle-class life. Uh, God is there to equip you. God is there to form you, um, to prepare you for eternal life with him. And, um, and, and, you know, Providence is is sort of working that, that, that out, that, that project, that plan out. Also, he's there to glorify, you know, I mean, God is, God's plan also glorifies him in his, uh, in his sovereignty, in his goodness, in his justice, in his mercy, uh, all those things. And so uh, what we need to do when we, with all of that in mind, so this is why, why doctrine matters so much. You should have all, every Christian should have all of that in his mind, right? Mm-hmm. And then when suffering occurs, when, it, when we are disappointed, when you have loss of career or job, whatever that might be, what you need to think, and this is hard, is, um, this is part of God's good and wise plan. And I don't understand it. And yet I trust him and I submit to his will. So one of the real temptations here, I think, is to try to offer an explanation that makes it tidy. Uh, try to offer an explanation that kind of gets God off the hook, yeah. uh, so to speak. Um, but I think that that's actually, that's just wrongheaded right what we, what i think i mean I, I, there might there might be better or other answers but i think one answer for sure is that what the the good of of our suffering the good of the 
you know, why providence includes evil is that God wants us to trust him and submit to him. Yeah, and I think that's that's very uh, particularly hard for uh, people today because that's the one thing <laughs> right. that you want is whether no matter what kind of situation you're in, or at least uh, I think most people in general, they want that control. They want to at least right. – and, and not just a, 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 like a, a control to where I manipulate everything that's happening, but I think even people to have uh, uh, an even lesser control – they at least want to have an understanding of where this is going, what it is going sure. to. Whereas right. you know, that, that idea of just simply, uh, uh, I don't want to say resigning, but in a way you're, you're kind of spiritually or, you know, realistically letting go of that control and saying, you yeah. know, uh, very, very similar to, you know, Mary's fiat, you know, I don't sure. know, you know, I don't know how, I don't know. Right. Good example. Yeah. I don't know why, but yes. You know, that's, you know, and, and I think that's, uh, that's very hard for, uh, for the modern person uh, sure. to be able to, to simply uh, uh, allow that suffering, mm. to accept it. Um, but I think at the same time, for, for somebody that has gone through that, I think it is freeing in a mm. way. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, how, is, how, how do you think it's freeing? Well, I would say it, because uh, uh, you are not the cause of a lot of things mm-hmm. um, and because you cannot bring, uh, even if, you know, particularly something you cannot bring uh, an end to, um, mm. that if you, that if you uh, in that recognition, I think particularly, like you said, of, of God as sovereign king um, right, sure. uh, of your life, that uh, that again, having that intellectual understanding and having saying this is the reality now, uh, you know, and this reality is what's going to uh, try at least <laughs> to govern my emotions, my my feelings. To have that understanding of God and His sovereignty, He mm-hmm. could He could use this. He could take this. He can He can do something sure. um, um, in me. Uh, and, and this is, you know, honestly, what the what the church has called uh, uh, passive purifications or passive mm-hmm. mortifications uh, for a long time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a good point that uh, you know this is something that's neglected. Sometimes you get sort of like the uh, eye rolling, right, when you have sort of the uh, uh, the old uh, uh, the old Catholic lady at your parish who says, "Well, you know, just offer it up, honey." Yep. And you know <laughs> that's tough to hear, you know. And yeah, I understand, but uh, why well, you might want to not hear that sometimes or roll your eyes at it. But actually the church is very clear about this over and over again, right? Many of the great saints attest to the fact that uh, our passive mortifications, right? Mm-hmm. Are in fact um, higher and better than our active mortifications. And this is, you know, spoken to by saints who are writing during times of the church in which, you know, there's a lot of uh, active asceticism, maybe even of extreme forms or severe forms. You know, you might decide that, you know, um, you're going to fast for 40 days from meat. Do something crazy like that. That is crazy. Um, absolutely is crazy. Right? <laughs> right. I'm from Texas. That is absolutely nuts. <laughs> right. um, uh, and, and you know that that's a fine thing to do. It's good. Okay. You know you you maybe you know experience some detachment. Uh, um, so that's a fine and good thing to do. But it's still your will, right? Yeah. Being involved in it, right? Your intentions and your choosing. Um, so you're not so much submitting as kind of mastering, right? right. Uh, you're mastering your appetites, you're mastering your attachments, those sorts of things. Again, not bad, right? Just, but it, it's important to see that it's still very much a work of your will. Mm-hmm. Whereas in passive mortifications, right? 
your will is in a stance of submission, right? That is, you you accept that God, you accept something, uh, some suffering in your life, some disappointment uh, in your life, and uh, you accept it and you offer it up and you accept it as a submission to God's will, right? That's a key point. Yeah. Um, and if you do that, right, that that is that's pleasing to God, right? That's pleasing to God because you're submitting to his will. Uh, now this, again, two points come to mind when I'm th- thinking about this. One, this requires, again, an adequate doctrine of God, a sound and clear understanding of who God is, what God is, and what he's about. And two, um, it requires us to reject, right, the modern obsession with autonomy, right? I mean, yeah, you know, we've used the word submission here probably about a dozen times. You probably won't hear that word used positively uh, a dozen times in your life unless you, <laughs> you know, in, in modern America, right? The idea that we should submit, right, uh, to God, to anything. And it, in fact, in our submitting, we find uh, freedom and flourishing and purpose and uh, what God wants from us. That's you know completely antithetical to the American ethos. Yeah, and I would even go you know go even further than that, and you know I mean we could talk about you know, I mean the Joel Osteens, sure, you know, where where this this idea of of God's blessing is the lack of equals the lack of suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's just absolutely rubbish. That's right. I mean, yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, it's, just, it's a real it's a real mis- uh, disservice um, for you know. Uh, uh, Christian leaders of any sort, Protestant, Catholic, whatever, uh, to, um, to, to spread this idea, right? This, you could call it the prosperity gospel, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, this idea that, that, you know, all God wants for you are good things. Well, it, it, you know, in, in a sense, that's probably <laughs> true, but not, not every good thing, right? So, <laughs> I mean, the good thing that he wants for, for you most of all, and most importantly, is eternal life. Yeah. With all that that includes. That might mean a lot of bad things in this life, or the lack of many good things, right? Um, you know, when, you know, God is not here, as I said last time, to to create for you uh, a nice middle class lifestyle. He's not here to advance your career. He's not here to give you a three thousand square foot house. He's not here to do any of that, right? I mean, that's not what he is about uh, in his providence. Now, of course, God does bring us blessings in life, um, but not only blessings, right? Oftentimes, you know, what is it? What is what does Christ say that we're supposed to do? Uh, get into our, our uh, brand new BMW and drive after him? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> no, he says what? What does he say, Jason? He says, take up your cross, follow me. Yeah, man, that hurts. Like, yeah. I don't want that, man, you right? Um, so, I mean, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, I, I don't know what Bible they're reading, <laughs> right? yeah. say, you know, um, uh, when, when they say this kind of thing, but but yeah, God's not just here to 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 make your life nice. Now, if you get if you say God wants good things for you, of course that's true. But the good things He wants for you might be theological virtues, a purified soul, and <laughs> eternal life. Yeah. All of which could include lots of suffering. <laughs> and I think, and I think, I mean, even when you look at the words of of Jesus in John's Gospels, particularly like one of my favorite passages is the. Um, when he says, you know, I am the true vine. And one of the parts I remember, uh, uh, it was one of those things where you've heard it so many times, but then all of a sudden one day you hear it for the first time kind sure. of a thing. And I remember hearing this one part, and it particularly struck me, um, where, uh, where it's talking about, you know, he says, my father is the gardener. He cuts mm-hmm. off every branch that bears no fruit. And this mm-hmm. is the part that, that hit me. He says, 
while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes yeah, and, yeah. and I think that I think that points and, and and not just he prunes to make it suffer, but he says he prunes so that it will even bear that it will bear even more fruit. Sure. Uh, and, I, and I think, uh, you know, that I think that hits to the point of that of saying, you know, that that in in our submission, that mm. it is that kind of God, God is the gardener. You're not the damn right. gardener. God is. Right. Right, right. Uh, uh, he's the one that will do the pruning. He knows exactly where he has the, you know, if you've ever seen uh, a, somebody that actually knows what they're doing in a garden, uh, they're very methodical. Sure. They're very, they're, they're very intentional in exactly what to do, what not to do, how to cut, how not to cut. And, you know, and it's the same mm-hmm. with God and to have that submission of saying, you know, you know, the garden better than I do, you know, you do the, right. you're the one that's there you know, that's, that's a very hard thing to do. And it, and, it, and again, it, it even flies, you know, it just flies in the face of the, the, the prosperity gospel, or even just the modern cultural thing of, sure. well, you define what makes you happy, go after it, mm-hmm. seek it, uh, and, and you'll be happy. You know, you, you, yeah. you know, that idea of, you know, autonomy as the highest uh, moral virtue uh, that we can. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting when you really get down to the brass tacks of it, right, is that it really is sort of uh, a, a struggle between uh, our um, our sense of being autonomous, our sense of being in control, uh, our sense of our priorities, um, or submitting to God and glorifying God and His goodness and His uh, and His authority. Um, and, and, and like it's kind of one or the other. And of course, all of us probably within ourselves have that struggle, right? Sure. Um, uh, pushing back and forth. But those are really the the, the key options. Either I'm going to be under God, right, um, and and submit to God, or I'm not, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, and I'm going to you know insist on trying to be uh, in charge myself. I mean, one thing that comes to mind when you're thinking about these things is how over and over again uh, the children of of Israel in the Exodus, right? You know, they, they keep trying to get back in control of things. They keep wanting God to guarantee things for them. And what God wants is, no, just trust, right? Trust, uh, you know, the leaders I've appointed. Trust the way that I'm doing this. You know, and they, they're, you know, we need to go back to Egypt because this thing is not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, you know, God says, no, like, don't, you're not going to go back to Egypt. You need to trust uh, in God and uh, keep going, Right. Uh, even when it becomes uh, difficult, even when you don't uh, understand what's going on. Yeah, and I think particularly when it comes to those uh, um, those passive purifications in that way, you know, like you said, uh, along with, and I would add, along with, like you said, the the we need to have that right kind of intellectual framework of reality. Mm-hmm. That that uh, uh, we need to have a clear picture of who God is and His sovereignty. Um, sure. You know, and from there, you know, we can have that. Uh, uh, and I think along with that correct kind of intellectual framework, we also need to have that that humility uh, sure. to, to simply say, like, you know, uh, uh, I can attempt to, you know, in a very Nietzsche like way, I can attempt to, to just exercise my will to try to control right. this situation that I absolutely have no control over. Mm-hmm. And, and it just ends in frustration or I can uh, uh, submit to the will of God. I can, I can kind of let that right. go and let him work within me uh, in that way. That's right. Uh, you know, and, and these passive purification. I think a great. Yeah, go ahead. So I was just saying, uh, uh, kind of mind that uh, a great book 
that's along the lines of this is uh, um, a book called uh, Abandonment to Divine Providence. Uh, I believe the author's name is De Cassad. Um, he's a French priest. And uh, I mean, it's, it is a bracing text, um, but very useful, I think, um, when you're dealing with this. He calls, uh, he calls you know, the sort of doing this rightly, uh, the sacrament of the present moment, yeah. um, which I think is a really interesting phrase. Uh, it's an evocative phrase, to be sure. Um, but uh, you, you get the point that, that where we meet God really is in our submission to the present moment, recognizing fully, and this, this is only this is only possible if you have a robust idea of providence, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, accepting fully that, that God is in control and that my task is here to trust and uh, to submit. Yeah. And I think even, you know, something that at least helps my, um, uh, my intellect grasp these things to some better understanding is, or some better understanding is is to go back uh, to the analogy of just like the parents and the children, uh, and sure. we talked a little bit about this yeah. last episode, um, particularly about discipline. Uh, but I think even in this one, e- even in this mm. in this sense, I mean, many times parents that we have our plan, we have what we want to do, whether it be for just simply a day out or uh, um, the longer sure. future of our children, and to some degree. Many times we ask things of our children and all we simply want is for them to say, okay, you know, for Mm -hmm, them to simply have that trust in us. And to, and you know, sometimes you have to tell your kids like, look, I love you. I want what is best for you. Uh, You know, like you have to tell them this directly and they're like, okay, all right, I trust you. You know, like Uh that, that sometimes, you know, it's, it's similar to God that I think, you know, uh, while not as directly, he's, he's saying the same thing. Like, I love mm-hmm. you. I mm-hmm. want what's best for you. Just trust me. Ah, that's right. so yeah, maddening. Absolutely. That's, so yeah. that's, so maddening. <laughs> that's really hard. It's really hard. Um, for sure. Uh, you know, one thing I think that can complement kind of some of the things we've said here um, is, uh, you know, uh, as you think about sort of the reality of the doctrine of God, right. And, you know, again, that, that God is wise, that God is good, and that God is in charge. Uh, in addition to that, you know, we need to recognize that um, uh, that we also, that we live in a fallen world. Like, that's another part of Catholic theology, Christian yeah. theology in general, that we need to, to remember, right, um, uh, that the world is um, uh, fallen, that it's disoriented, uh, and that God is not interested in making this fallen world okay in the sense of oh it's okay for it to be fallen right um so that that our uh, what do i mean by that so a lot of times the fallenness of the world consists in our excessive attachments to things yeah. uh to careers um uh, you know uh, uh, one of the I, I think one of the greatest um problems we have right now today with so much um in social media is vanity Right. Um, that is uh, seeking praise for things that either are not praiseworthy or things that are uh, only uh, slightly praiseworthy. So we're constantly, you know, told to promote ourselves. We're constantly self-promoting, um, and and that that's problematic. You know, the um, or at least it, it can easily become problematic. And so, you know, um, that's part of being in a fallen world, right? Is vanity, right? And so, what I'm saying is that because of the fallenness of the world very often our desires are disordered. We have Mm -hmm. disordered attachments, 
disordered desires. And for those things to be taken away from us causes us suffering, but that's not necessarily bad, right? Like, because what's the suffering here is rooted in a disordered attachment or a disordered uh, uh, desire. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And in this, this, you know, I think two points to, or two points to make from this is, you know, this is something that has, uh, I think, stemmed from a cultural problem, but also a, a an ecclesial problem. Um, I remember in um, in 1997, uh, Archbishop Daniel Beekling he, he issued a report about catechesis, you know, and mm-hmm. he said, "Here's a bunch of deficiencies that we have found in catechesis," and one of them is said there is a pattern of deficiency in the teaching of original sin and sin mm-hmm. in general. Um, right. That was that was one of the main points that he made uh, in that report. Um, and even when you, you know, think about the things happening in the church today, I remember reading sure. recently a, a good article just talking about how, you know, we, we simply have lost a sense of sin, mm-hmm. that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that, that we do live in a fallen world, that sin right. is real. Sin is something that, that and, and it's one of those things that has effects beyond those things that we know. Um, and so when you have, sure. when you sure. have a system, yeah. I mean, I was going to say when you have a when you have a, a when you when you're living in this 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 world that begins to grow these these cancer cells of mm-hmm. uh, and not recognizing it as cancer and sometimes even calling these things good as kind of right. badges of honor, it's mm-hmm. going to hurt when mm-hmm. when when somebody tries to remove those things. Sure. So when a when a when a church that you know, and when people in the church have lost this sense of sin, when we begin to talk about these things again, when we begin to focus on them again, it's going to be painful, uh, but right. in, but in a good way because it's again it's ordered towards what is good because we've allowed these things to happen. Sure. Yeah, I think um, in a lot of ways, you know, uh, life <laughs> uh, life ends up being sort of a winnowing process. You know, <laughs> uh, that is that. Um, uh, that uh, God does bless us, but God uh, also uh, takes from us um, many of the things to which we can be attached, many of the things that are not particularly, uh, some of which, some of the things that are bad, of course, um, uh, but also things that aren't maybe particularly bad, but are distractions from him yeah. and uh, things that, that uh, pull us away from him. Um, and, and God's, you know, in God's providence, he, he, he pushes those things away to use the, the image you were employing earlier. He prunes them away. Um, and I think what we can see, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's impossible not to see this right now in terms of thinking about the church and, you know, the current crises and so forth. Um, you know, this, this, uh, this is a difficult time, right. To be Catholic and, uh, um, uh, you know, in some ways, I, I kind of think, you know, what's going on in the church is to some degree a winnowing process um, and maybe a reminding process, right, that there are these things like original sin that we need to, to, to bring back into view. We need to bring back into view, um, um, you know, the, the old ideas of like, you know, the world, the flesh and the devil, right, yeah. that those three things, you know, our inner corruption, um, the vanity of the world, right, worldliness, um, yeah. those things, and then also the reality of the devil, that all those things are real, they're at work in our lives, um, and, and that we have to resist them, you know, like with, with um, you know, uh, military-like discipline. 
and uh, in, in order to, to glorify God and do the things we need to do. Yeah, I mean, that, there's a reason why when we talk about Catholic spirituality, or it's traditionally been always uh, talked about in a militaristic kind of way, spiritual combat. Sure. You know, sure. and I think that's, you know, I think that's one thing that, you know, sometimes Catholic spirituality, or at least today, can have that focus of this kind of uh, romantic relationship mm-hmm. Christ, Christ, my, you know, God is my spouse and it's all wonderful and, right. and in that way. And everything just needs to be worked out between me and God. Well, yeah. in a way that's true. But at the same time, like you have to do spiritual combat against the devil. Sure. Like, right. Right. like we, like you said, we live in a fallen world and the devil does have real power in this world. Right. Yeah. right. Like, yeah. and, we, and again, once we, I think once we have that framework, um, uh, you know, I think, I think, think we could you know start to move towards that direction to have that to have that uh, correct outlook and to have that understanding of i need to you know do these things in a combative way sure uh, right right yeah i need to and this is i think what i would consider a mature christian view i mean so much of christianity today especially in the face of of suffering it really frankly sounds infantile the yeah. um uh um you know god <laughs> when you hear people counsel others on suffering, you know, they'll say things that you're just like, you know, uh, oh, well, you know, one door closes, another opens. Well, what, what, is, what does that mean? Are you serious? <laughs> That's how you're responding to the, what's going on in my life right now? Because you're telling me that one door closes and another opens? Uh, that's just um, inadequate, to say yeah. the least. <laughs> you know, um, you know uh, the idea that, that God, I mean, you know, I think Catholic theology tends to, to not fall as prey to kind of, you know, uh, sort of low, low versions of a prosperity gospel. But at the same time, you know, we can have our own version of that, um, you know, which is just as sort of like the kind of romantic view uh, that you're talking about, um, or a view, again, that God only wants to bring good things to, into my life. Um, you know, again, yeah, maybe, but those good things ultimately are going to be eternal life, uh, you know, purification and much of which might involve, um, you know, suffering uh, on your part. Right. And if he wants, and if he wants you to bear more fruit, he's going to have to do pruning. You That's know? right. That's, That's right. Gonna, exactly. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things I think is, you know, um, you know, not that we need to go, uh, you know, looking for suffering at all, but yeah. uh, at the same time, um, you know, if your life is going smoothly in a fallen world, yeah, that should give you pause, right? I mean, you should think, "Wow, I'm really good at getting along in a world that's ruled by sin and the devil." Um, <laughs> that might make you think, you know, what? Maybe something's wrong with my life, right? Because, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I mean, um, you know, I think Augustine's image here of the city of God and the city of man are so powerful, right? Um, you know, there, there really are, are are two different approaches to reality and to human life, different visions of, of, of the world. And um, if everything's going smoothly for you, you just need to think that could be part of God's plan too. Of course, right? God is in charge, but that you're, that things are going smoothly for you in a world that's ruled by sin and the devil. Um, you know, uh, you, you would anticipate, right. That the world will do what to the followers of Christ. Yeah. The world's going to hate kill it. It hates yeah. them. Yeah. Right. Hate them, kill them. <laughs> persecute them yeah it reminds me i remember going to in and i'll take i'll even go further than you do um not not by my own words but by uh i remember going to um 
it was it was a ador- during adoration with uh, Father Benedict Groeschel. Uh, okay. and he, gave, he gave a little fervorino in there, uh, and he simply said, "If you are not suffering in some way, you are not a Christian." Mm-hmm. And he didn't right. qualify it at all. He just right. period, he and, you know, full stop. You know, like <laughs> you know, uh, and it's you know, and and I think in a way it's it's true that there should be some uh, uh some suffering in that way of and again if we are going to imitate christ you know mm-hmm. um and, and i think that's more of what the the, the spiritual life is about is about the the imitation of right. christ right. Yeah, um, sure. i like i like that i like kind of like that phrase a little bit better than well it's about a personal relationship with jesus i like the imitation of christ um because that that puts him up here and me where i need to be uh, uh, <laughs> right after him, right after him, yes. Uh, uh, okay. That it's that it's not this kind of you know uh, dialogue and compromise <laughs> between me and God, as if I have anything to really bring to the to the table. Um, right. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we but, like the image of the we like the image of the good shepherd, but you know, but but even you know, shepherds aren't gentle, and that means you're the sheep, right? <laughs> you know, so like, uh, uh, you know, um, if we think of Christ as the good shepherd, that's a good, that's obviously a biblical image. Yeah. It's a good image. Uh, but we need to think like we're the sheep. We're, you know, the sheep and the shepherd aren't in dialogue, right? The shepherd isn't sort of like, okay, sheep, let's take a vote about how you're going to go, right? <laughs> you know, like, no, like he's in charge, right? Yeah. And, and he'll put you in the pen, you know. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He might even whack you with the. Stick. Even if you want to go running through the 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 the, the forest, no. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You know. So um, one thing, one thing I think that's that's interesting that I think can you know we can talk a little bit about um, is kind of this understanding that uh, of suffering as a punishment. Okay. That suffering can be a punishment uh, um, uh, in our life. Um, sure. How do we how do we kind of reconcile this or bring this up with you know, again God's providence? Yeah, so I think that um, that's part of the picture. Of course, you know to bring that up is to to immediately cause a great deal of eye rolling, um, and um, I understand. Uh, and I want to you know I think this is ground you want to tread on very carefully. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it's just part of the biblical picture, and I, I just don't know what else to say except it's there that God, even that God, you know, that, that sin deserves to be punished by God mm-hmm. um, in his mercy and his kindness. He doesn't punish us all the time. Right. Um, but that's in his mercy and compassion. Um, there's nothing wrong with him punishing sin. In fact, it's just and good that he does so. Um, so, uh, I think, you know, where you want to be careful. So, I mean, I think that point is just clear. Like, again, you're yeah. reading a different Bible than I read <laughs> if, if you don't see that that's there, right? Um, you're reading different saints than I read if you don't see that that's there. I mean, it's all through the writings of um, Christian, um, uh, great Christian saints from the past. Um, so uh, where you want to tread carefully, though, is, is saying, well, this suffering is... A, is a punishment for this sin, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you want to be very careful for, with that. And like, I think for the most part, we need to just sort of abstain from making that kind of evaluation, unless it's obvious. I mean, one of the things you want to say, right, is, you know, let's say that you, um, uh, you're you a habitual liar. And because of your habitual lying, you know, you, you relationships end, friendships are broken, 
maybe you even end up losing a job or something like that. I mean, there, I think you can kind of say like, you're suffering, you, you lost friendships, you lost a job because of your habitual lying. Yeah. Is that unjust? No, it's not. Right. I mean, in fact, they're like, you're suffering and it, it, it kind of makes sense that you're suffering because you're a habitual liar. Right? Yeah. And I think, I think sometimes though, like, you know, spiritually we think, well, you know, God's good. God's all merciful. God's forgiving. All this, But at the same time, you know, uh, God is not going to save us against our will. And so sure. if there are things that we choose to do, even though we don't know the full consequences of that sin, or even right. if we don't have the, uh, you know, full, con- full understanding of the consequences, right. it doesn't, that doesn't somehow relinquish uh, um, um, guilt uh, on our part, yeah. you know, right. think yeah. about, you know, think about the, 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 15 year old that you know robs a store does he really have an understanding that he's going to go to jail he's going to be tried as an adult and go to jail and do all these no i don't think he does Mm. uh uh, but that doesn't that doesn't let him off the hook right sure yeah he still is going to be punished in that way now i think where the mercy of god lies also is that he doesn't punish us to the degree that it is always uh sure (laughs) <laughs> that justice Absolutely. demands. So, I mean, I mean, the, so, just to be really frank here, like one of the things, it just, this drives me crazy in contemporary Christianity that, you know, God is under no obligation to be merciful. Yeah. Right. Or to be gracious. That's a category mistake. Okay. <laughs> mercy and grace, right. Are, 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 are just that they're mercy and grace. They're, they're not due to us. Yeah. That's what makes them mercy and grace. God is not obliged to be merciful. Yeah. God is not obliged uh, to be um, 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 gracious to us. I was just revisiting some passages in uh, Saint Augustine, City of God, and again, you know, if you want, if you want some some serious reading, it's a good place to go. And you know, like you know, reading you know through say books twenty, book twenty one, some of those thing, uh, some of those passages in the City of God, you know you come away with the impression that like what we, the, the way we need to think about it is this. Um, it is God's mercy and compassion that the world isn't blasted all the time, right. Yeah. By God's justice. Right. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it's remarkable. <laughs> I mean, what we need to think is what, like how remarkably kind and gracious and compassionate God is um, to not um, bring the world under um, judgment all the time. You know I mean? Yeah. You know, um, uh, and this is a perspective, right? That I, I think is just, I, I don't know where it went. <laughs> you know, like it was there for centuries and centuries and centuries. Uh, it's right there in the scriptures. You know, um, I prayed the Psalms on a regular basis and, um, and not, not, not just, you know, sort of the nice ones. I just pray them from <laughs> Psalm one to the end and then start over again. That's not a bad practice. Actually. I think if you want to kind of get a, a, a deeper and more enriched and, um, and, and, and sober understanding of God, it's really good. It's a good practice, right? Uh, just go from one to the end and, and then start over. Uh, because there you get a robust sense of God. You certainly get the mercy, the mercy of God, the compassion of God, the grace of God, all those things that are so dear to us and rightly so. Uh, at the same time, right, you get a, a frankly uh, startling image of God's um, justice, of his uh, severe punishment of those who oppress others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like there's a, as a, I think it's a sobering 
it's a picture of God. It's a, it's a, it's a picture of God for the mature Christian. Yeah. And I think that's what one particular thing that our culture has lost and that our culture has uh, um, kind of even brought into Christianity is kind of this uh, sanitized version of, of uh, uh, whether, I mean, of, of a bunch of things of death, of sin um, that, you know, Oh, it's, you know, who am I to judge? I don't want to, you know, like, you know, well, you know, even, even, even in the way I remember reading an article about uh, that the, the way that people experience death, um, that it's, it's Uh so, it's so much sanitized that, uh, um, that, that we have to um, uh, hide it behind all of these things. It has to be hidden from us in in a very different way. Uh, you know, so I think that's one thing that, that kind of, uh, that our culture has brought to it that kind of, the, and like I said, it's not just with death, but, but with a lot of other things uh, with regards mm-hmm. to, to kind of just uh, uh, the approach to Christianity, even that in, in that way, we've lost kind of uh, sure. yeah. over sentimental, over sanitized, uh, too sensitive, uh, all those sorts of things, yeah, uh, which yeah, highly problematic. Um, I think that just that, that, um, uh, adumbrates the problem that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's really a disservice in the face of suffering. You know, one of the things that's, that, that we need to recall here, I think, is that the church, again, it, it's all there, right? It's in the scriptures. It's in the tradition. The church has plenty of, of equipment to, to address these things. One of the things that uh, you would kind of circled around this uh, is, not, you know, we've, we've looked at issues about trust. We've looked at uh, talking about the justice of God. Um, uh, and, and what God is trying to do in our lives. Another thing is, is, is the Christian virtue of hope, right? Yeah. And this is where I think, again, we're so misguided. Hope is not about God getting you the marriage you want, right? It's just not, right? The <laughs> theological virtue of hope. I mean, I just, I want to tell everybody, like, like listen, hope is about eternal life. It's not yeah. about this life right here, right? right? Uh, the theological virtue of hope is about hoping for um, eternal life. It's about hoping for union with God. Um, and, what, and that doesn't mean, of course, that we don't have sort of small age hopes for this life, you know, that sort of thing. And that's perfectly fine, right? Those are uh, good things. You should want a good marriage. It's a wonderful uh, and great thing, right? Um, but the theological virtue of hope is uh, for eternal life and union with God. And, and I think that when people sort of misplace their hope, you know, um, they're, they're doing a disservice to themselves, right? Because, uh, they're, they're for many reasons, one, they're putting something in the place of God. Um, but, uh, they're, they're setting themselves up for disappointment, right? Because they're yeah. setting their expectations and their hearts on something that God hasn't promised us, right? That, you know, and that God is not necessarily moving us towards. He may use, um, you know, the collapse of your career for your eternal salvation. And that's just fine. Right. Um, and, and, and your hope should be centered on that union with God. You know, this life, it seems long, right? Yeah. But in the, in the perspective, in an eternal perspective, it's just, it's the blink of an eye, right? Yeah. And I think that I, I, I like the way that you put that, that, and, and again, remembering that hope is a theological virtue. It's not, it's not just this natural, uh, you know, it's not one of the cardinal virtues. It's not a natural virtue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is this, this, uh, uh, theological one, meaning that, meaning that it, it has to do with primarily God, 
Uh, right. And, that's and right. That's, and, and that's where we need to keep it. Uh, that's right. Absolutely. Along with God, but also with God, and particularly focused in the next world. That's right. Where, yeah. where we're aimed. Yeah, well, and that's where uh, that, that's where our, our our best life needs to be, right? Yeah, <laughs> is, uh, is is hoping uh, in that. Um, and, you know, uh, I've actually written a good bit on hope and secularized versions of hope. Yeah, uh, one thing we could, you know, uh, we don't want to get into this too far right now. Maybe this is something we can revisit in a future podcast. But um, you know, there is natural hope, which is just kind of like the feeling of hope or whatever, and that's fine. That's true. It's part of being human, right? That's fine. But then there's what you could call, you know, eschatological hope, right? Theological hope. And that, that, that hope always needs to be oriented to something beyond this world, yeah. right? Uh, it's not, we're not trying to bring about a perfect political order, a perfect social order in this life. Um, you know, of course, we need to, to make it as just as, as, you know, reasonable and so forth. But that's not what our hope is centered on. Our hope is centered on um, eternal life. You know, uh, as we're, uh, I know we've gone pretty long here and uh, we probably need to start wrapping up. But one last thing I just want to leave the listeners with, uh, kind of coming back to our central theme, we talked a lot lot of different issues about hope, about justice, um, about the fallenness of the world, Um, you know, is I I think the the best response to suffering comes from a consistent Christian worldview. Mm Mm-hmm is to be grounded in that sound doctrine of God, a sound doctrine about the world and, and sin. Um, so coming from that, what we should learn, right, is that we don't have a full explanation of um, the particular suffering. Does that make sense? Wait, we can, yeah. we can understand to some degree in general why there are sufferings, but why, but why, this child died or why this beloved spouse, you know, uh, uh, developed a certain disease. We can't explain that. And there's the temptation to try to explain it, but that's exactly what we need to avoid. Um, I think the the main response here is uh, trust and submission. Um, So I think, you know, uh, when you face that suffering, you know, in, in your life, when you, or when a friend faces it, mm-hmm. um, certainly that the, you know what you don't do is pretend that you have an easy explanation. You, what you don't do is pretend that there's not suffering there. Um, depending on the friend, depending on the situation, uh, I think you have to be uh, sober and clear uh, in your response. And um, of course, you know, adjusted to the person. You know, I mean, uh, if you're talking about somebody who's immature, you know, you have to maybe deal with this a little different. Sure. But still, I think you have to to be honest, right? If this suffering is brought about by a sin in their lives, then you, you need to confront that. And that's okay, right? If, if my suffering is brought about because of my vice, because of my sin, the best thing for Jason to do is to hold me accountable to that and say, you know, man, I'm, I'm sorry that you're suffering, but what you need to recognize is that this suffering in your life is a result of the sin in your life. Um, that's tough, right? Yeah, but, it, but it is a spiritual work of mercy, right? It's a spiritual work of mercy, and it's good for your friend, right? Yeah. Um, to hold him accountable in that way. Man, we need to do that so much more. I mean, we were just thinking about, I know we're closing here, but everything that's going on in the church right now, right? Like, what we need is accountability to each other as Christians, right? Yeah. And when, there's sin, when we suffer because of sin in our lives, what I need is to be confronted 
by my friend, by my brothers, by my sisters, um, uh, about that sin, right? Now, it might be the case, of course, that uh, that sin, uh, that the suffering in your life isn't a result, you know, of some direct sin. Okay, fine. Right. That's another kind of response. And I think there, what we need to do is just frankly admit, I don't know why this happened, right? Yeah. But I trust God mm-hmm. uh, that this is part of his good and wise plan. This gives your friend the opportunity, right, to do what is the, the right thing, which is to submit and trust to God and say, you know, though you should kill me, I will love you still, right? Yeah. Though you should kill me, I will worship you still. Um, and then just say, let's, you know, let's pray, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's where you go then to prayer, right? So I think you, 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 you say the right thing, right? Don't pretend it's not suffering. Say, man, this is suffering. This sucks. I'm, man, I, I feel for you about this. Um, I'm sorry this has happened, but I, I trust, you know, and then your friends, why, where's God in this? You know, say, I don't know exactly, but I trust that he's here. I trust that, it, that, that even this is part of his good and wise plan. And uh, I can't explain it and I don't understand why. And let's pray together. I think those are the ways, I think that's how, I'm not saying that's, that's the only approach or whatever, but in my own life, my own you know, dealings with these kinds of things. Uh, that's what I've seen to be sort of uh, both wise and fruit bearing. Yeah. I think you that's, know, so, uh, I think um, that's great advice. And I, and I think particularly to, you know, many times when we provide kind of these absolute explanations to things, it, mm-hmm. it closes the mind off. Um, sure. Whereas, you know, part of, uh, uh, part of our, our, our faith life, is is remaining open to god and and what he might have to say uh to us and what he might have to to do within us like we were talking about the passive purifications you know so i think you know when when you give an explanation like that uh um it keeps the soul and the mind open uh to the will of god that it doesn't just say oh that's the cause of it i need to you know i need to get rid of that or i need you know Mm -hmm. just kind of let it lie um So I think that's uh, very sound advice. So uh, we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, In the meantime, uh, check us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com. We have other content there. We have uh, the the courses. You can subscribe, take our courses in philosophy and theology. Uh, You can buy buy our courses as kind of one-offs. You can just purchase them whole right and get access to them, to download them, to listen to them, to watch the videos. Um, So uh, check us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com. Until next time, God bless.